Darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light. This is the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media. And the philosophies of this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment. Let's not miss our moment. And now, the Hamilton Corner. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Happy Monday. Here on the Hamilton Corner. And really not just on the Hamilton Corner. Happy Monday in your world. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the program. Abraham Hamilton III here, host of the Hamilton Corner. Joined by the Corner Contingent. Right across from me, my man 100 grand, Mr. Bobby Rosa is in the building. Screening room is manned by none other than your recovering friendly neighborhood with a holic. Mr. Marty Sparks lighting up the dark from there and as well as producer extraordinaire, Mr. Mac. Return of the Mac. <laughs> Jay Mac often imitated, never duplicated, and we're ready to rock and roll with today's edition of the program. So much is going on in the world. But at this very moment, many of you, if not most of you, you're transitioning from your part-time jobs where you generate an income to your full-time jobs where you cultivate an outcome. And as you do so, as you do so, I want to encourage you to understand the primacy that God places on family. The first institution that God created was, in fact, the family. Before you get, get to any other institutions, the first institutions, the first institution is the family. The first command that God gave to mankind was given within the context of the family. The family is a big deal to God. And the family should be and must be a big deal to us. The family is the primary vehicle that God has established for generational discipleship, to cultivate generational faithfulness to him, generational witness of his glory. I would guess the best way to say it is generational ambassadorship. That is what should be embraced. That is what must be embraced. So as you're transitioning, I want to encourage you to allow the Lord's revelation concerning family to guide you and to instruct you to understand exactly what it is you have the opportunity to participate in because all of us are members of family. And I said it before, we will not be able to out-politic. We won't be able to out-church. Talking about the organizational structure of the church, the deficiencies in the home. I am not saying that the home should be uh, pursued to the neglect or exclusion of everything else, but we must understand time and place. We must understand context. We must understand things like, hey, those little ones you may have, little ones that I have, I'm looking at these jokers grow. <laughs> They're not going to be in our homes forever. In fact, most of their lives, should the Lord tarry, will be as adults than when they are adolescents. When we embrace the reality that, you know, Dr. Barner communicates with great frequency, consistency, and accuracy, that by and large worldviews are crystallized by 13 years old. 
The things that are priority for us, we pursue. That's just a fact. Now, I'm not attempting to condemn anyone. Many of us haven't understood with clarity the perception that we need concerning family. Many of us haven't understood uh, the Bible's teaching in these areas. But now that we know, now that we know, we must govern ourselves accordingly. So as you transition to your homes, do so with a commitment, understanding today is a day that I have to glorify the Lord in the face of everything that is happening around me. This is an area where I have jurisdiction. This is an area where I have the capacity to govern an investment and to trust the Lord with that investment. As we obey him, trust him to work out the fruitfulness of that obedience. All right, to the word of God we go. Ephesians chapter 2 is where I want to go. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Because I want to address something that I believe is, is vitally necessary for us to address in order to have a proper understanding. Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing, and starting at verse 1, he says this, And you, writing to the believers, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians was written to believers in the city of Ephesus, a real city where modern-day Turkey is located, all right? And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh or of our, yeah, in the passions of our flesh or in the lusts of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the flesh or the desires of the body and the mind and were, past tense, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, oh man, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. I want to point out something that the word of God articulates with great specificity and great clarity. The word of God reveals right in verse two, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once Lived. I want you to understand something very clearly. The Bible explains that all people, prior to being born again, prior to being regenerated, suffer, suffered, passes for those of us who are born again, those who are not yet born again, suffer from being harassed, 
being mm, cajoled by the demonic. Notice, the spirit that is at work, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. See, it's very easy and it's a very often phenomenon when people, believers in particular, fail to understand scripture like the God of this world has blinded their eyes. Fail to understand scriptures that say Satan has taken people captive to do his will. That's what the Bible teaches. And the Bible also reveals that this same type of blindness, this taking of captivity, is the historical testimony of current believers. That's what the scripture reveals. Among whom we all once lived in the lust of our flesh, carrying out the lust of the body, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's what the scriptures reveal. All people deal with haranguing, if you will, by demonic spirits before being born again. That's what the scriptures reveal. But I want you to notice something. The Apostle Paul consistently articulates this as being a past phenomenon for the believer. Again, you were dead in trespasses and sins, past tense, in which you once walked. That's how it used to be. That ain't how it is now. That's what used to be. Following the course of this world, among them we all once lived. But the Bible reveals that just as that historical reality was true, so the newness of life is true. The scripture teaches, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Not trying to be, not striving in our flesh to become, not trying to work it out so that we may be at some point in the future. It says, if any is in Christ, all who are in Christ, we are new creatures. We have a new nature. And I'm pointing this out because some of you might have heard this before, and I've heard this before. Some try to describe the Christian walk as, you know, two dogs going to war inside of us. And whichever dog you feed the most is the one that's going to win. And let me just be clear about something. I understand what, what is attempting to be articulated there. But that description is not true. It is an inaccurate description, and I'm explaining to you why. Describing the life of the believer, I mean, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, <laughs> describing the life of the believer as being synonymous with the exact same reality prior to being born again diminishes the potency of what actually transpires when we're born again. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. His nature is new. Now, what's attempting to be articulated is the reality of, there's some big theological terms. The reality of these huge theological terms, regeneration, justification, and sanctification. When we dim diminish what God has done, the cataclysmic transformation that God has instituted by his spirit to being, well, it's just two dogs and the one that you feed the most is going to win out. It minimizes a reality. When we are born again, 
We are regenerated. The scripture describes it as being born from above. We now derive from a new origin source that is foreign to what was before. It is a transmutation from the line of Adam into the line of the second Adam. All right. To which positionally. All right. We are positioned in Christ where the dual imputation takes place. Our sin imputed to Messiah. Messiah being the atoning once and for all sufficient sacrifice. His righteousness imputed to us. Positionally, when Christ sees us and views us, we are viewed through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ, which is why the Father sees us as fresh as the purely driven snow. Positionally, sanctified in total, in position. Simultaneously, there is a sanctification to where our condition is progressively matching that and being conformed to the image of Christ. The reality of the distinction that we must understand is that the life that the believer lives now, where there are consistent strivings to overcome the flesh, is not a regaling or a conti- continual living in the former nature. No, 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 no. It is the new nature that we're now growing into as our minds are being transformed. You see, it's not two dogs that are equivalent that are the same as if nothing has ever transpired. Because for the first time in our entire existence, When we are born again, we become indwelled with the spirit of God, which creates in humankind a capacity that did not exist before. You see, prior to regeneration, as the scripture reveals, we were not only dead in trespasses and sins, but that we were subject to being um, governed by the God of this world. But when regeneration comes 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 about, when we are born again, regenerated, as the scripture says, born again from above, ganao anothen. A new teasma. We have a new nature that includes the capacity to do something that we could never do before. What is that? Indwelled by the Spirit of God, we now have the fresh ability, the novel ability to obey what God requires of us. We have the novel capacity to submit to the lordship of the Spirit of God. It ain't two dogs as if it's the same old dog. We just barking like we used to bark. Oh, no, 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 brothers and sisters. It's a brand new reality. And evidence of Satan's continued effort to deceive is to cause you to think because your mind requires renewal that you are the same as you were before. But make no mistake about it. It's not because I said so. But the Lord himself says so. If you are in Christ, you are brand new. Now, let us walk with him. Shining light into the darkness. This is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. Abraham Hamilton III. I just want to finish what I was endeavoring to say there. It's It's a vitally important biblical concept to understand because it will it will shape our perception of the Christian life. It is no doubt that believers encounter and overcome the the old mindsets. This is why the apostle Paul writes to the believers in Romans 12, "Don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because being born again doesn't automatically give us new minds, but make no mistake about it, we are of a new nature." Which is why the Lord can then tell us things like he does in Colossians 3, for example. Putting off the old man, putting on the new man, being renewed day by day by day by day. Because there is a substantive corpus transition that has occurred. 
that we have been, we've been quickened to life <laughs> from the death. And having that understanding aids us. A sister in our, in our local church said it recently to where we're not contending for victory. We're contending from victory. The posture and the positioning is brand new. And this is why we can, we can say amen to the reality that being born again doesn't make us instantaneously sinless. But we do grow and, and sin less because we've been transformed. Which is why the Apostle Paul can say these things. Like this is what you once were, 1 Corinthians 6. Such were some of you, but you've been washed. But you've been cleansed. But you have been sanctified and are being sanctified. Glory be to God. And this is the blessed hope that we have. <laughs> that he that began a good work in us, oh man, will finish it unto completion. Glory be to God. It's wonderful, brothers and sisters. And so it's important that we understand this. It is right and biblical to claim what God says about you. The world would say this, the accuser, the brother would accuse me of this, but the Lord said that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is not a boastful statement. It's actually a statement <laughs> of humility and submission because you know for a fact, this is not based on my performance, not at all, but it's based on his. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And when we understand this, it's not a contending or a striving for victory. It's a contending from victory. It is in Christ that the victory has been secured that enables us and empowers us by his grace to follow him. Oh man, I love him. I love him. Praise God. Well, it's already here, man. This time has flown by. This weekend, August 18th and 19th at Maple Crest Baptist Church in Vider, Texas, the Faith, Family, and Freedom Conference is going down. You can still register, but I just want to tell you, the last information I heard is pretty close. It's pretty close to um, being too late. <laughs> so if you want to be a part, I encourage you to go to maplecrestbc.com to register. Maplecrestbc.com, M-A-P-L-E-C-R-E-S-T.com to register. It's going to be an amazing, an amazing time there. And then soon thereafter, September 9th through the 13th, I'll be joining the Antioch Baptist Church family in Sylvester, Georgia. 105 Doe Hill Road is the address to the church. They have several events. Their men's conference is on Saturday. Sorry, ladies, on the 9th of September. Uh, but then their worship service is on Sunday. And then they'll have revival services that Monday, the 11th through the 13th. Uh, so I encourage you, if you're in the area or willing to come to the area, then you're welcome to do so. Then, man, I'm telling you, September 22nd through the 23rd, New Life Church, excuse me, in Nashville, Arkansas, 913 South Main in Nashville, Arkansas, September 22nd and the 23rd, they are hosting the Restoring Truth Conference. And I'd love to meet you there if you can come to that one as well. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Craziness happening all throughout the country. 
But I want to turn your attention, and many of you are aware of this now, uh, but those who are watching, I wanted to show you some uh, video of what's happening here. But uh, the island, the Hawaiian island island of Maui, uh, man, suffered a terrible, terrible blaze. And, it, and it's just, it, it really grieves me how quickly people rush to politicize things like this. Um, but with the recent death toll and and unfortunately uh, the local police chief there um chief john i don't know if he pronounces his name peltier or pelletier i don't know how he pronounces it um but the death toll has eclipsed over 100 people but the chief describes how challenging it is to identify some of the deceased uh because those who were caught uh, by the blaze, they were in a fire. The heat was so intense that it melted metal. And some of the remains, when they're discovered, they fall apart. In addition to the death toll eclipsing the 100 mark, this, there are over 1,000 people that are still missing. And this has been been documented as the deadliest, deadliest wildfire in the United States since 1918. Since 1918. I apologize for those who are listening on via audio only because you won't be able to to see this. But if you're watching the show, I want you to look at this drone drone footage of the Maui damage. It's clip number one. Now, what you're looking at is is a drone flying over the island of Maui, um, and it is um, depicting the damages there. Uh, my heart breaks when this kind of stuff happens because I can't help but think about the people and the souls. I don't know all the people. My mind immediately goes to whether or not people who whose lives ended that day, whether or not they're born again, man. And the, the damage uh, in the area was massive, as you, as you might imagine. This was in the Lahaina area. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, Police Chief Peltier, or Pelletier said the cadaver dogs have only been able to clear 3% of the search area so far. And it is expected that the death toll will increase as they continue their search. Uh, they, they have an area that they're scouring that's at least five square miles. Um, it's just devastating. It really is devastating. According to Maui County officials, 2,207 uh, buildings have been damaged or destroyed with an estimated 87% of the structures being residential. Residential. Hmm. An estimated $5.5 billion worth of damage. Please pray for the people in Maui and look for reputable ways where you can help. Um, I don't want to slam too many people, but some of the most 
popular organizations may not be the most trustworthy. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> um, if at all possible, find someone on the ground there who who you trust, who you know, to be able to support one of the, one of the things that is great about the American people that we're some of the most generous and caring people in the world. We're some of the most generous and caring people in the world. I wholeheartedly recommend uh, Eight Days of Hope. That is one organization I know for sure. Um, what they do, how they use resources, um, how their commitment is not only is to both respond to the physical needs on the ground, but most importantly to be a witness for Christ in the process. Um, it's, it's gripping to me. It's just an, another reminder, man. It's another reminder that you could be going about your day as usual. And, and it's easy to live in a such a way to where we think things will continue on as they always have been. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, having lived through Hurricane Katrina myself, um, I don't know specifically what the people in Maui are experiencing. But I do know what it's like to have a loved ones, to lose loved ones. Uh, in a tragedy like this, and to have all of your your physical possessions destroyed in in one day, you know, in one day, um, and having to literally rebound from nothing, um, it shows the the temporal nature of things and stuff and possessions, you know. Um, but please pray for the people of Maui, and as the Lord has enabled you with resources He's entrusted to your care. To do what you can to help people um, who are in need. I know that this is a need that's being discussed nationally. I know there are other needs that that aren't getting as much news coverage, and I encourage you to respond to those as you're able to as well. Uh, but my heart was just gripped uh, by this. But make no mistake about it, brothers and sisters. You all are listening to me now. Uh, none of us are promised tomorrow. This tragedy is a sobering reminder of that fact. None of us are promised tomorrow. I believe in planning and preparation. Naturally, if you know me, I'm a planner. My, my natural disposition, God has made me a planner. I try to be a forward thinker. But believers must be able to plan for the future while simultaneously living as if you, this may be your last day. <laughs> and each of us have been given the same opportunity, the same 24 hours in a day. How will we use the breath in our lungs that our God has given us, the, the fully functioning organs that he's afforded us, which none of us are owed? I pray and I encourage you to use the time, the talent God has given you, and the resources that he's entrusted to your care. And I'm intentionally, intentionally describing it as the resources that he has entrusted to your care because the breath that we breathe doesn't belong to us. It's not ours. The stuff that we have, the resources that we have, God has given us. So how will we use the things that he's given us? Another sobering reminder of that fact. In a, in a sober yet necessary transition, um, the news came out this Friday. This, this is just, it's galling, frankly. 
about the oh Merrick Garland, the U.S. Attorney, has decided to appoint Mr. Weiss <laughs> as special counsel in the Hunter Biden investigation. And when I heard the news, I was riding in my car, listening, and my and I immediately I had to pull over on the side of the road and I said, wait, 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 wait. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. I'm not saying that a special counsel is not warranted. But y'all correct me if I'm wrong. Bobby, Marty, Jeff. Isn't this the same cat who said, oh, I had all authority to bring any charges that I wanted to bring? Not once, but twice. Didn't Mary Garland also say, oh, Mr. Weiss has full authority to do everything he wants to do? Huh. So is... His purported appointment as special counsel, is that not a tacit admission of a tacit admission confirming the fact, well, whatever he wanted to do before, he couldn't do? Or whatever should have been done before wasn't done? And there's something different that can happen now that didn't happen or couldn't happen before. Am I wrong there? Huh. Now, before you go, we go too far. You know, I'm I, I'm not saying I'm the, I know everything. I'm the smartest knife in the drawer, but I do know how to read federal law concerning special counsels. And last I I read that in order to be able to accept an appointment of special counsel, it has to be someone who is outside of the federal government currently. <laughs> I didn't think you could appoint a current U.S. attorney as special counsel. Now, I understand it It doesn't mean that you can't appoint somebody who used to be in government. They just can't be in government currently, according to the law. <laughs> Boy, I might have been born that night, but it wasn't last night. You jokers are trying to make it seem like, oh, we are pursuing justice. We're going to follow. We're going to follow the investigation wherever it leads. Oh, you jokers think you're slick, but you ain't. Because isn't Weiss the same guy who helped kind of shepherd what's been pop- popularly, popularly described as the sweetheart plea deal? Boy, this is hilarious. This is hilarious. So the same dude who was behind the scenes saying, oh, we, well, we're, we're going to. This investigation is done. We have a gun charge that we're going to have pretrial diversion and. And now he's special counsel. Right, right, right. So anybody wants to ask some questions of Mr. Garland? Um, hey, yo, um, what happened? Because <laughs> a couple weeks ago, your Department of Justice was trying to enter into a plea, plea agreement. If it wasn't for George, Judge Narika in Delaware, this would have been done, right? Oh, man, these people... These people, and I'm telling you, boy, I'm, you want to talk about gangsters? People are talking about the gangsters in Chicago. Look, the real gangsters are in Washington D.C. That's what the real gangsters are. These people are are just going about saying we're gonna do this, and you can't do anything about it. But it's interesting because now the formerly sycophantic media is all willing to say, "Oh, what's going on with Hunter Biden now?" Interesting timing, is it not? Thank <laughs> you.
Hamilton Quarter podcast and one-minute commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. Welcome back. <laughs> we will open the phone lines. We hadn't been able to get, t- get calls in the last couple of weeks, so... Last week's shows, as well as this week, I know some of you had questions. Some people have sent some emails and things in. Uh, if you'd like to ask a question or to make a comment on the last last week's shows, as well as today, you're welcome to do so. The number to call is 888-589-8840. That number, again, is 888-589-8840. One more time, 888-589-8840. You're welcome to join the program. This this is so laughably transparent. It's (laughs) – the now all of a sudden you want to have a special counsel. Again, I thought special counsels were appointed to conduct investigations. (laughs) You know, like find out what happened. How long was Weiss investigating Hunter Biden? <laughs> I'm telling you, this is laughable. And I, this is one of those moments, man, where I hate to say I told you so, but the truth is I told you this years ago. I told you this after the 2020 charade transpired. And I, I, I hate to put Bobby on the spot, but I keep calling him as my witness because he was physically there. Because when I said it, Bobby said, Really? Say, yeah, absolutely. So, you know you know how uh, the Burisma CEO said, man, I got to get some insurance against the Biden, so you know we got to break them off $5 million apiece. Again, I could be wrong, but I do not think I am. Joseph Robinette Biden is not going to be the nominee for the Democrat presidency. I do not believe it will happen. What you are witnessing, in my view, is the Bidens adjusting on the fly because they did not expect the shenanigans that they were pursuing behind the scenes to become public. Many of you may recall that when the sweetheart plea deal was first entered, there were no whistleblowers. You may remember this, right? There were no whistleblowers who had come out publicly. In fact, Ziegler, I'm talking about IRS whistleblowers. Ziegler said the thing that caused him to become a whistleblower was what? The plea deal. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, these gangsters thought that everybody was sufficiently hushed so that the inside revelation as to what transpired beyond what was already public information, would not become publicized. The great efforts that Joseph Robinette's Secret Service went through to keep Hunter Biden from being investigated, I'm sorry, being interviewed in the investigation, was to be revealed. I am telling you that the the game that is being played is to try to shield the elder Biden from being exposed as being the one behind this, the, the influence peddling scheme. Like, even when, what was his name, Representative Goldman, the Democrat congressman, the only one 
who was present for Devin Archer's testimony, came out and said, oh, they weren't selling influence. They were selling the illusion. Now, they, I'm sorry, they weren't selling access. They were selling the illusion of access. And I'm just like, yeah, Bob, you can go ahead and cue it. Cole. <laughs> Cole, you stupid. You want to know why, Representative Goldman? Because selling even the illusion of access is also a crime. Like, you think you're helping, but you're not. It is a crime to sell the illusion, the illusion of access. Oh, shucks. They weren't talking business. Hunter was conducting business, you see. And, you know, he loves his papa. Papa loves him. He's so kind and loving. It's all love. Papa just popped and say, hi, business partners. Hello, I'm old Uncle Joe. Good day. See you later. All fathers do that for their son's businesses, right? I'm sure as, as Marty is putting together some wonderful soft clothes cabinets, his father comes in and says, hi, Marty. What a great job you've done here. Uh, no, 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 that ain't how that happened. Like, this is just so obvious. And so what happens then with the appointment of Mr. Weiss as special counsel? Oh, because he, he was investigating Hunter Biden from since 2014. 20, the thing that Gary Shapley told you, one of the major things that put Hunter Biden on the radar, this dude tried to pass off his sex club bill as a tax write-off. They were like, huh? What? They've been investigating this dude for almost a decade. And you just wait to certain apparent statutes of limitation expire. And then, I mean, come on, man. So what's really going on here? Well, one of the major downstream consequences, if this is allowed to transpire, is there can be an effort to insulate Mr. Weiss from continued House oversight testimony. Oh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Because when you start laying out the facts, you know, when you have to make a decision, you start saying, what are the pros, what are the cons? You start laying out, okay, what is, what is different concerning the Biden investigation with Weiss appointed a special counsel? You start looking on the side of the ledger, well... He's been investigating this dude for almost a decade already. So what is he going to learn now? A lot of the evidence that you need to file an indictment has already not only been uncovered, but is now, thanks to the, the House of Representatives, been disseminated into the public. What else are we going to learn? Now, on the con side, what happens differently with Mr. Weiss's status? Oh, he's special counsel now. The appearance of independence from the Department of Justice, though he's a U.S. attorney currently. And shush, he's not supposed to be a part of the federal government, but he is, but shush, don't tell anybody. Oh, as special counsel, you cannot subpoena me. What the Republicans in the House of Representatives should do immediately, immediately, is file a motion to disqualify Weiss's appointment as special counsel for violation of federal law that requires any special counsel appointment to be someone outside of the federal government. Straight up. You can't insulate yourself from oversight. These dudes are literally in front of the whole world trying to do with this criminal investigation of Hunter Biden, what the Secret Service did with that cocaine baggie. Remember what they did with it? Serve prudent like it never even happened. Cocaine baggie? What cocaine baggie? Fingerprints? DNA? What? What fingerprints? There is no baggie. And I told y'all before, 
The Secret Service didn't destroy the cocaine baggie because they, the evidence was inconclusive as to who it was. They destroyed the baggie because they knew exactly who it was. All the cameras in the White House, there's no way they don't know who the cocaine depositor was. What you're witnessing, ladies and gentlemen, is very similar to what you witnessed when she or she never be president lost the election in 2016. These jokers went into overdrive, violating even more laws to try to cover up their previous breaches of the law. They're lying under oath to the FISA court. They're opening up sham investigations. They're trying to kick up all kind of smoke to project on the former President Trump exactly what they did and what they were doing. And say, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I am the great and powerful. And they're trying to, it's rinse and repeat. They're trying to do the exact same thing now and have and have the world incapacitated by all of the questions. What's going on? This is odd. What's going on here? There must be something we don't know. Listen, it's not that it's something you don't know. They want you to not believe your lying eyes is what they, what they want you to believe. So my encouragement is to continue to put the pressure on your elected officials. When I say pressure, I'm not saying be belligerent or, or harassing or anything like that. But let them know you're not dissuaded by what's going on, and you recognize the illegalities of attempting to appoint a current member of the Department of Justice as a special counsel. <laughs> Merle says, the man, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain or the man in the basement. <laughs> Who is in the basement? Hip-hop array. Oh, hey, B-H-O. <laughs> they don't want you to see that he's a part of all of this. It's laughable. But I promise I get to the phone lines. Let's start in North Carolina where Greg is on the line. Greg, thank you for calling the Hamilton Corner. Welcome to the program. Hey, Christian, brother. Love you. Abraham? Yes. Um, I think Comey has uh, clarified that he planned on bringing in Weiss for mm-hmm. questioning. Mm-hmm. And now Weiss has his out. Uh, and, and you just hit on it. Because now he can say something is under current investigation. Ding. The whole idea is to defeat him from special counsel. Because if he can stay in his role as special counsel, um, he's got he, he's going to stop everything. Mm-hmm. Well said, Greg. Very well said. Because here's the thing that a lot of people don't know: several weeks prior to Weiss's appointment as special counsel, James Comey, not James Comey, <laughs> Congressman Comer. In his role as leading the House Oversight Committee, notified the Department of Justice that they subpoenaed Weiss to testify before the committee. <laughs> and the Department of Justice responded by saying, oh, Special Counsel. <laughs> Boy, these people think you slick. You are not slick at all. Oh, 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 you want Weiss to appear under oath in public? Special Counsel. And again, this, th- at this point, we should be under no illusions as to what Barack Obama slash Joseph Robinette Biden slash Merrick Garland's Department of Justice is about. This is the same Department of Justice. Oh, oh, we, we, we don't have felonies for hunt- oh, pretrial diversion for gun charges. Oh, but we'll spy on Catholic churches. <laughs> we'll have a cross-national investigation. We'll span from Richmond, Virginia to Los Angeles. We'll go across the country. To make sure that we can infiltrate mass. Can't find anybody who is setting 
pro-life pregnancy resource centers on fire. But you know what we can do? Mark Houck at gunpoint. Get out of lay down. Is, is there any illusions as to what is going on with this Department of Justice? I mean, I know they keep saying the word justice, but it don't mean what you think it means. These guys are playing force of government. They're playing Powerball. And I ain't talking about gambling. They're saying, what you going to do about it? And so the elected representatives need, be, need to be empowered to exercise their oversight function. And this is something that can be readily confronted, readily confronted. With the black letter of the law by saying Weiss is not qualified to serve as special counsel. Because he is a current member of the federal government. The law requires it to be someone outside of the federal government. And House Republicans need to step up immediately. This is not something that has to take days. The moment you heard of the, the, the appointment, and I know all of them are not current lawyers, legal beagles and all. But this is something they can do immediately. File a motion to disqualify, lay out the argument, the basis for the argument. And file the motion immediately. Because otherwise, they're going to continue to try to perpetrate this fraud. <laughs> Special counsel. This is something, man. I mean, it just provokes all kinds of questions. Weiss shepherded the plea deal that the Delaware judge just rejected. And so the U.S. attorney goes to say, you know what? How about we take the guy whose plea arrangement was just rejected, and let's make him special counsel. How about that? Let's do that. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And again, one of the things that the whistleblowers pointed out was that they requested the appointment of a special counsel to allow the full scope of the necessary investigation to transpire because they, again, high-level money laundering, tax evasion, monetary fraud cases, this is what they do. This is what Shapley does. This is what Mrs. Ziegler does. This is what, this is what they do. So there's no way that this should be anything other than a felony criminal indictment. There's no way because we have the evidence. I would argue that what needs to transpire is not merely an evidence, an investigation into Hunter Biden's financial crimes, but the rabbit trail, the rabbit hole, if you will, that is the follow the money, the money trail. This is not something that's difficult. Follow the money. Times of deposits. When this all transpired, times of creations of these accounts, not only what went into them, but also what went out from them. Because at the end of that query, which you are going to find inevitably, is that we literally have a Manchurian candidate in the White House. We literally do. And it gives me no pleasure to say that. But at the exact same time, it gives me no pleasure to deny the reality. Thanks be to God, as I started the program, that my hope is not limited to a president, but my hope is in the King of Kings. Praise God for that. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.